Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the SEC. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, alongside my great friend and co-host, Brent Beard, a longtime college football analyst for First Coast News down in Jacksonville, Florida. Also, a longtime voter in the race for the most prestigious individual honor in college football, the Heisman Trophy. And Brent, Maybe we should start there because since we last spoke, a lot of things have happened. We've had the Heisman Trophy awarded. We've had a full schedule reveal for the 2024 season in an expanding Southeastern Conference. And oh, by the way, we had an early national signing day here just a few days ago. So a lot to cram in between the last time we talked and Christmas coming up early next week well merry christmas to uh to you and your and the family and also all of our listeners and viewers um uh travis again um and i don't know what they're going to do to deal with it and this is probably more of a sermon on another day but but christmas um it, it should be pretty simple but in college football We've we've made it everything but that, have we, Bud? Uh, I mean, it, uh, with with uh, with bowls and finals and Christmas and playoffs and early signing day and transfer portal. Uh, it, at some point soon, uh, they need to take a serious look on what they can take off their plate and put on another month to simplify December. It is crazy. I mean, once you get through conference championship weekend, it is nuts because the transfer portal does open in earnest. You're winding down that stretch, heading towards early national signing day. Uh, You're trying to figure out what these bowl teams are going to look like. We're going to talk about that in some of these matchups, especially for a team like Florida State and going against Georgia in the Orange Bowl coming up here. In about a week's time, uh, so much to kind of parse through, and we'll do it as we move through the uh, bowl schedule, because I think we can tie all of these things together. That just tells you the kind of lightning rod that the Southeastern Conference is these days. So many aspects of the discussion since we last got together on this podcast, whether it is Transfer Portal, whether it is National Signing Day, whether it is the Heisman Trophy, as the SEC has yet Another winner in Jaden Daniels, who, by the way, talk about opt-outs, will not play in LSU's bowl matchup. (laughs) So a lot to get to. Let's do it right now. And we'll get things started on December the 27th. That is next Wednesday night. That's going to be a 9 o'clock Eastern kickoff with Texas A&M and Oklahoma State getting together. What do you think about that matchup, Brent? Mike Elko in as the new head coach, but still... An interim situation, I guess, there for the Aggies. And, boy, A&M, you talk about the transfer portal taking a hit in that regard. That is the Aggies moving forward. Oh, it is. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, look, I don't care who is left for A&M. Uh, Trav, that Oklahoma State defense is the same defense we saw against Texas in the Big 12 championship game. Um, you and I and whoever we could grab as friends could uh, score on Oklahoma State. That that was uh, uh, that that would not very strong at all. But boy, the the changes with A and M. Um, I, I'll start with 
Uh, Evan Stewart uh, entering the transfer portal. <laughs> Only 91 inter- uh, receptions and 1,000 yards uh, at this point. Fadil Diggs is going to Syracuse all the defensive line. Walter Nolan is going there. And that highly rated class of Jimbo Fisher of the uh, of of the 18 guys that they had, I understand now nine of them, Trav, will be uh, transferring out uh, and leaving the program. And look, this doesn't mean they don't have some talent at this point. I still think they've still got enough talent to uh, uh, be able to win the bowl game and. Mike Elko, I think, is going to is going to do a really good job there. But but they 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 are like a lot of schools right now. Uh, how bad is the attrition, and how bad do they want to win the game? Yeah, it's tough when you talk about star power for this Texas A and M team that's going to be moving on. But boy, I'll say this too: uh, when you talk about the quarterback situation, especially and how that's been problematic really? for A and M throughout the season. I think this is still a winnable game for the Aggies. Maybe Houston, as you alluded to, might be better to that OSU defense than Arlington was in that Big 12 championship loss to Texas. But, you know, this isn't uh, OSU offense either that is especially explosive, can score points. But, boy, Jalen Henderson has jumped in there for Texas A&M in a tough spot behind center and has done a nice job. Now, Again, between transfer portal opt-outs, those type of things, you're sort of left to wonder about the viability of A&M across the board. But again, OSU hasn't been good at all really since winning the final Bedlam game against OU in Stillwater. It seemed like like OSU won that game and went on like a month-long bender celebrating (laughs) it. Yeah. Staggered yeah. into the Big 12 championship game after a narrow win at home over BYU and then was absolutely thrashed by the Longhorns. So we'll see how this transitioning A&M team responds in Houston coming up next Wednesday night. Coming up on the 29th of December, that's a Friday high noon Eastern kickoff in Jacksonville, Florida. Clemson taking on Kentucky in the Gator Bowl. Brent? Again, talk about some situations where you've got some portal movement both ways for these teams. Uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, one of the few games where I I feel like you look at the quarterback position and say, okay, these two teams are going to have their starting quarterbacks in the bowl game. So uh, what do you think about Kentucky in that matchup with Clemson? Uh, I think Clemson's playing better uh, toward the end of the season their defensive line is still going to be a load uh, to be able to deal with. But I am, I am fascinated uh, with uh, where Kentucky is going to go. I tell you, Travis, uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson transferring nice from, up. from yeah. Georgia. Uh, I, I think that's going to be stellar for them next year. What this guy is being able to do, a starter for um, the Bulldogs. Uh, now, the, uh, and, and this is more for next year, obviously, than the bowl game. But, uh, boy, if you're if you're looking for an experienced linebacker, Trav, they, they hit the jackpot on that, didn't they? Did Ray Davis opt out of this game, the Kentucky I, running back? You know, I have not seen that. Yeah, um, that's important. Yeah, absolutely it is. 
Uh, and when you look at this matchup again, as you said, uh, the Clemson defense, I think, could be the determining factor in this. The Tigers giving up fewer than 280 yards per game on the 2023 season, giving up fewer than 20 points per game. That was a big end of the regular season for Kentucky, a it team was. that was really wobbly down the stretch to get that road win at Louisville. Uh, same thing for Clemson. Went on the road, uh, prevented South Carolina from really establishing a streak in that rivalry game. So Cade Klubnick at quarterback for Clemson. Devin Leary behind center for UK. That's your quarterback matchup in this game. And then, you know, again, it's a situation where Mark Stoops, at 7-5, and five, not a bad job with that program. But when you talk about underachieving, it's very interesting to see Clemson in this spot because four yes. or five years ago, I don't think anybody would have envisioned Dabo Sweeney's team and this program being in this particular situation. You know, it's one thing not to to make the college football playoff, but to miss out on a New Year's Six Bowl, again, not something we thought was coming for Clemson a few years back. Well, and and to really go big picture on this, uh, as far as Clemson is concerned, and I'll be brief about this, but Trav, I'm really wondering what their future is. Uh, I, I mean, we're dealing right now with Florida State, speaking of opt-outs, <laughs> trying to opt out of the whole conference uh, and, and maybe go to the Big Ten. That, that's kind of what I've heard. I'm curious what you have. Uh, but look, the thing I've heard all along is, Clemson wants out as much as FSU does. So uh, if 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 FSU is able to, shall we say, break the code, uh, are we are we talking about Clemson uh, moving along out of the ACC uh, over the, uh, the the next few years too? And what in the world is that going to do for their program? It sounds like the ACC attorneys did a really nice job of locking those teams in. Yes, because what is the rights fee? I think uh, it's through 2035 or something uh, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. it's it's, a and it's absorbent. It's yes. not five million or something like that. It is big, 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 big. It's a, it's 120 million, Trav. Yeah, and so yeah, it's interesting to me with Florida State. I keep hearing about these meetings that Florida yes. State is at. What are you meeting about? Yeah. There's no meeting. If you want out of the league. Write the check. And the yeah. bottom line is Florida State can't write that check. Right, right. So I don't know what to make of this every month or so. Florida State, you know, board of uh, trustees and regents getting together and having meetings about making a conference train. What are you meeting about? Yeah. I just envision a conference room with people eating donuts and drinking coffee and looking at each <laughs> other going, what are we What are we going to do? It's, it, it's, it sounds too like. Florida State maybe is sending out a signal to the SEC, the Big Ten, hey, come save us. Come help us get out of this thing. And right now, it doesn't look like the SEC specifically is all that interested in throwing a life raft to either Florida State or Clemson. Brent? Uh, well, timing is everything. And look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that Greg Sankey's got a short list in his desk but he's also dealing with Texas and OU coming over. And I think some of this is let's get them in here and get them comfortable 
and we'll, we'll always have an eye on the future. Uh, but uh, but no, no, you're right. I mean, and that's pretty much what I'm hearing is if something happens here, it's going to be FSU to the Big Ten um, as they continue to expand. But, you know, you still wonder for FSU in the SEC, you know, Florida doesn't want it. And I've heard South Carolina doesn't want it either. Um, so, and particularly if Clemson is going to be involved uh, in some way, and I've heard that uh, that FSU uh, has uh, a, as I was told, a sponsor, donor, use whatever adjective you that, that that you want to be able to do that. And their attorneys have been to uh, uh, ACC headquarters to look at the grant of rights and so and so forth. But you bring up a lot of good points. Uh, look, I get the desire, but but Trav, this, this is not going to be an easy departure either way about it, is it? No, you think the ACC is going to say, look, you guys just go ahead, move yeah, on, yeah, free and clear. Uh, it, it, I don't get it. I just don't get these these meetings that Florida State keeps keeps having. Yeah, and you know, look, I think the SEC looked at Texas and Oklahoma as its varsity selections too, whereas Florida State, not to be argued against in terms of a very recognizable brand, similar for Clemson, especially with the recent success on the football field. But the SEC checked the boxes it wanted to check in its most recent round of expansion, going a little bit further with that footprint out to the West and Northwest. And if there is expansion in the future, I would think that would consist of the East more so, but not maybe Florida State and Clemson. The thing you hear more and more is in the direction of, say, Virginia and North Carolina as teams or or schools that might join the league at some point down the road. Let's get back to the football part of this show. (laughs) Missouri and Ohio State set for the Cotton Bowl. That is also a December the 29th game. That's going to be primetime, 8 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, OSU's been hit with some stuff, too, starting with the quarterback position and moving on elsewhere. Missouri, on the other hand, Missouri is exactly the kind of team you don't want to see in a bowl game because not much in the way of opt-outs, if any, and going to take it deadly serious. The opportunity to finish the season with 11 wins, uh, the opportunity to uh, beat a top 10 team in Ohio State in a bowl like the Cotton Bowl. I mean, this is... This is program history type of stuff for Missouri in comparison to, say, Ohio State. We talk often about the the teams that are going to be the more motivated uh, or uh, will win bowl games. Uh, Look, this is like a playoff game in Missouri. Uh, If they could get an Ohio State pelt on their wall, they would love to be able to do that. I don't care if – who's playing and not playing, beating a brand like that uh, would make a big difference. And, and look, my understanding is uh, the big three with Missouri, beginning with Brady Cook um, and uh, in the um, uh, Schrader and, and that offense is just unbelievable, Luther Burden. Um, and I've, I've understood that they are pretty much all coming back 
for next year. We'll check on that. They've had a little bit of movement with, with their quarterback, Gabari Johnson, is in the transfer portal. Um, and they've got a big Oklahoma tackle, Caden Green, that's coming in to help them for next year. Uh, but, uh, Trav, to me, this is a perfect situation for Missouri to build on what they've done. Uh, and, and Eli Drinkwith continuing to be a, a, uh, a star with the media uh, being funny, also not afraid to criticize other teams. So he and this, he and this Missouri team has grown a lot. And, boy, how far have they come in the last few months? Yeah, Drinkwitz is getting it in while he can. You know, <laughs> yeah, taking shots at Arkansas and Tennessee, and like I said, maybe this is something that's sustainable for him. But it all, it also feels like, you know, we're really good in this moment, so I'm going to yeah. get my shots in while I can get them. Yeah. We'll see how that holds up Absolutely. moving forward. Now, Cody Schrader has got to be 37 years old at this point <laughs> because. Yeah. He yeah. began his college football career at Truman State mm-hmm. back in 2018. And so by my count, he's a six-year guy. But what I'm seeing around college football because of COVID and red shirts and right. medicals and uh, things like that, uh, guys are getting seventh years. Now, I, I think at some point Cody's going to have to move on. But, you know, Brady Cook coming back, Luther Burden coming back, uh, there are certainly – uh, pieces that uh, Eli's got to build with, and that schedule next year is going to ramp up, as we know, with Alabama among the teams that the Tigers will have in conference play in 2024. But again, as we talked about, this is a nightmarish, I think, type of matchup for Ohio State because it is a very capable yeah. Missouri team, and you anticipate it being twice as motivated at least to play in this game than say Ohio state coming off that third straight loss to the university of Michigan are, as they like to say in Columbus, the school up North. Let's <laughs> talk about Ole Miss and Penn state. Another one of these sec big 10 matchups that will move through during the program. I like to call this one, the tortoise and the hare. Brent, when I think about Penn State yeah. offensively, yeah. not exactly a tempo, not exactly fastball offense. And then when I think of Ole Miss, I, I do a 180 there with this matchup. Look, this is a for the uh, bowl game and beyond. Uh, there's as much excitement right now uh, in this conference as there is. Uh, almost any team uh, with, I mean, they're basically bringing back almost everybody uh, and they made some important uh, uh, additions through the transfer portal. Big time, yeah. Uh, yeah Chris Paul coming over, um, Princely uh, Umanlin coming over from Florida, I think it's going to be in Trav, how about Juice Wales yep. from uh, from South Carolina, and to back up what you're saying with Penn State, another blow, their cornerback, Johnny Dixon, looks like he's going to opt out of the game. So, uh, l- listen, we're talking about Lane, uh, Kiffin being with rarefied air here uh, by, by getting 11 wins, 
uh, a lot of excitement for next year. Uh, so, Trav, like Eli, uh, Lane's taking advantage of the moment, is he not? He is. And, you know, the matchup on paper in this game is the Ole Miss offense against the Penn State defense because Penn State comes in allowing just 11.4 points per game and 223 yards of total offense per game. So impressive. And you understand why Manny Diaz became a popular choice for Duke to take over for Mike Elko in Durham. So some changes to that Penn State coaching staff on the horizon as well. Drew Alar, the quarterback for Penn State, the numbers again on paper look pretty good. 23 touchdown passes, just one interception this season for Drew Alar. But explosiveness, it's something that isn't a big part of what Penn State does. Alar averaging just 6.7 yards per pass attempt. You look at Jackson Dart for Ole Miss, he's up to 9.4. So, yeah, I think I like the Rebels in Atlanta, high noon Eastern, December the 30th, the Peach Bowl. That ought to be a good one on ESPN. Oh, yeah. All right, let's keep it moving. Also on December the 30th, that's also an afternoon kickoff. This time in Nashville, the Auburn Tigers taking on another Big Ten opponent in the Terrapins of Maryland and quarterback. That's where you want to start because for Maryland, I see where Talia Tonga-Vailoa will not be playing in this game. Younger brother of Tua. For Mike Loxley's team, there is momentum, at least in terms of perception for Auburn, coming off a top 10 recruiting class from Wednesday. Peyton Thorne looks to be the guy for 2024 at the quarterback position. If you're Auburn, you'd love to have some of those wide receiver signees able to play in this one, wouldn't you? Boy, really. And that's that's something they really need to do. They, They had to upgrade... Uh, where they were, Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson. Uh, Thompson was with Obama uh, commitment, I believe, for a while, but they're both uh, at with Auburn. Robbie Ashford, by the way, has entered the transfer portal so that there would not be a quarterback rotation in this game for Auburn. And they had pretty good recruiting class. Signed Faber Edwin, 68290. Uh, that uh, obviously our schools in SEC wanted to bring in certainly would get some momentum uh, for Auburn that they need. This would also kind of be a really for Mike Loxley would be a big win. Certainly with with Talia out, that hurts them, and they've got some pretty good receivers too, and they could move the ball on Auburn. Uh, but again, um, a a situation where uh, Hugh Freeze really would like to have some momentum of a bowl game win to go along with a top 10 uh, recruiting class too. Now you got some opt-outs in that Auburn secondary. I guess that helps to yeah. sort of offset Tonga really? Bailoa sitting out. It's kind of a wash there, one would think. But an opportunity for Auburn, similar to Nick Saban in year one at Alabama. When Alabama was 6-6, six and six, went out to Shreveport, um, Got a win over Colorado in that Independence Bowl. It really helped provide a springboard into the following offseason and then the 2008 campaign. Not sure if Auburn's going to make that kind of jump in 2024, but again, certainly 
momentum looks to be in the corner of Hugh Freeze as he heads into year two on the Plains. We go into the later afternoon hours of December the 30th. That's one week from tomorrow in South Florida for Georgia and Florida State. Boy, between the transfer portal and opt-outs, I need a I need a guide as to who's playing for these two teams. I mean, I, I know Georgia is going to be solid at the quarterback position with Carson Beck, and we understand the issues Florida State has had following the loss of Jordan Travis for the remainder of the season. Brent, again, tell me who's playing in this game, uh, because uh, the list of, of who's out seems to be pretty extensive. Well, in it, Trav, it certainly is for Florida State. Um, if they would, obviously, if they would have been in a, in a playoff game, uh, all the, a lot of these guys would have hung around, but that's been the difficult thing. Jaheim Bell, tight end, is declared for the uh, NFL draft. Jared Verse, one of the better players uh, in the ACC and the nation, is declared for the draft. Uh, Trey Benson is declared for the draft, uh, the running back who has really had some uh, nice production uh, this year, too. Uh, so, in defensive lineman Joshua Farmer expected to enter the transfer portal. Trev, I could go on and on about this, but it's pretty obvious here uh, that Florida State is going to be uh, uh, depleted in a lot of ways. So look, that doesn't mean they don't have uh, talent. Uh, because they do, but uh, at the same time, um, if it is a lack of motivation, certainly a lack of att- in the attrition here, but and something you said a minute ago is, is uh, uh, I think, huge. Uh, we do know for, as far as Georgia is concerned, Carson Beck is not only going to play in the bowl game, but he's coming back next year, which... Uh, uh, Kirby Smart, Trav, clearly admitted was a tremendous relief for him. Yeah, especially when you look at, again, the 2024 schedule for the dogs. It's oh, going to ramp up. Really? If you had a problem or you had issues with Georgia's schedule, which, of course, as we know, should have included Oklahoma, was going to include Oklahoma before the inclusion of the Sooners uh, for the upcoming season, 2024, in the SEC, yeah, you're not going to feel that way, I don't think. I think Georgia opens with Clemson and Atlanta. They do. Um, you know, gets Texas on the road in Austin. So uh, things are going to check up pretty good. And then, you know, Alabama and Tuscaloosa in September for Kirby Smart next season. Definitely a step up in schedule. Yeah, hard not to like Georgia in this game. And, and even – even in a scenario where if both teams had everyone available uh, that that didn't that did opt out or hit the transfer portal, I would like Georgia in this game because that's not going to change the health status of Jordan Travis mm-hmm. for Florida State. But boy, the dogs getting hit by the portal pretty hard, Brent. Yes. Not that they can't sustain it with the way the dogs recruit, as we saw just a couple of days ago, a number one class for Kirby Smart, but. You talked about the linebacker situation. Just with that, you've got uh, a top player moving on to Kentucky. You've got a top player moving on to Arkansas. Uh, you know, Kirby's not—he's not immune to it, just like Nick Saban is. No, no. As a matter of fact, 
some of the Georgia beat writers made point of saying they've been averaging losing about 15 players a year, uh, either transfer or to the uh, NFL. But uh, they certainly have uh, reloaded. Uh, no, no question that this was a uh, a really excellent class for them. Uh, and them being able to get K.J. Bolden, ironically enough, uh, flipping from uh, Florida State just um, accentuated the class even more. But will, will certainly be interesting to see. Uh, and, and look, um, uh, and I'll just touch on this um, instead of getting into it, but there's still a lot of people who thought that Georgia very well had a case for the playoffs. Uh, from it being number one, getting beat by number four, and moving out outside the, uh, uh, the the top four, that has not been forgotten either. But uh, uh, certainly a uh, very interesting off season for the dogs coming up. It is, and Georgia being able to flip Bolden from Florida State to his home state school really helped to offset the loss of Dylan Rayola. Yes, from Georgia to Nebraska in terms of the rankings, obviously not the same positions when you talk about a safety and a quarterback. But as far as Georgia maintaining that spot atop the recruiting rankings, that had a lot to do with it on Wednesday. So as we move along here and we talk about some games of significance, well, maybe not all of them of significance, but we get into New Year's Day and then in that early slot at noon Eastern on ESPN2, a Jaden Danielis LSU team will take on Wisconsin, another SEC Big Ten matchup. I'll tell you what, I think Garrett Nussmeyer, it won't surprise me if he ends up being the MVP of this game. He could. Because he's a guy that's been around, he's played some football in some pretty big moments. Uh, and I think this is an opportunity for him to very much plant his flag as a successor to Jaden Daniels, Brent. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. He would certainly get a head start on it. What also helped LSU is uh, Sage Ryan, uh, one of their better DBs, is going to uh, uh, not enter the transfer portal. Uh, as he talked about doing. Uh, But look, um, I think they'll be able to win this game. They've still got enough athletes, but something you and I have talked about now for months, Trav, they've got to get, uh, it's not so much get get serious, but they've got to do something defensively. Um, They've had a tremendous amount of injuries. They've certainly had guys who have transferred out but this has been a bugaboo for them, one of the better offenses under Brian Kelly. But they're just not quite where they need to be defensively, Trav, for a lot of reasons. I think most of the staff will probably stay intact. Uh, but that's something that, that you called a couple of years ago is with all the uh, publicity for Kelly uh, and how they're able to move up and down the field they're not going to win a championship until they are better defensively uh, and they're they're able to get that side of the ball fixed. Yeah, you have to be 2019 LSU good on yeah, offense if right. you're going to overcome some of that. And even with the talent that LSU had during that national championship season, 
that defense got lit up at times. Yeah. But, boy, you think about Jaden Daniels moving on and obviously 40 touchdown passes in four interceptions. Yeah. That's really? Heisman worthy in and of itself, 11.7 yards per pass attempt. That's nuts. But then you look at what he brought to this team as a rusher. So when you look at this matchup, it's not just about Daniels not having him to work with the receivers for LSU. It's Daniels with those 1,134 rushing yeah. yards right. that he had in 2023. So I don't know, Brent. I haven't asked you to reveal your ballot. We kind of hit on it a little bit the last show we did together. But I'm going to guess those numbers, 50 total touchdowns between passing and rushing, probably made it pretty hard not to put Jaden Daniels at the top of your list. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was number one uh, for me. And then Michael Penix of Washington was number two. And Jalen Milrow was number three. I, I'm, I know a lot of people put in – Bo Nix and a, from Morgan, and I get that, but Miller really had some improvement. We'll talk about them in a few minutes, but uh, but yes, that that was my list. But um, uh, Daniels clearly deserved it. Uh, I'm with you. Look, a good quarterback touchdown to interception ratio is what to have two to one <laughs> when you're when you're basically forty to four. Uh, I mean, that's a video game, is it not? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. And we look at Wisconsin in this matchup. Wisconsin, to me, is Penn State light. You know, yes. offensively, just not built in a way that I don't think the Badgers can really take advantage of this LSU team on the defensive side. So uh, even with Nussmeyer, I think this is a, this is a favorable matchup uh, for uh, LSU down in Tampa in what used to be, or will always be to us here on the program, the Outback Bowl, maybe not anymore. Hey, over in Orlando, just an hour later with a kickoff at 1 Eastern, just cruise over I-4 from Tampa to Orlando, Iowa and Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl. Iowa coming off a shutout loss at the hands of Michigan in the Big Ten championship game. Tennessee looking to get to nine wins. That's still a solid achievement for a Tennessee yes. program, as we know, for the last 15 years or so. Haven't stacked many nine-plus win seasons on top of one another. So still some things for Josh Heupel to get done with this team and you know, look ahead to 2024 and you know, a very anticipated change coming once again at the quarterback position for the Vols. And that was their biggest um, problem last year. Joe Milton uh, was okay. He was solid, but he, he certainly wasn't Hendon Hooker. But Nico Lamaliva is cer certainly the favorite of the fans, and that's where they need to get it to be. I give Hypo credit in realizing that they were probably not going to be as, as effective offensively, and because of that, and they did a good job on their front seven. Uh, defense uh, was among the leaders in sacks and tackles for loss. That was certainly some improvement, but uh, they've got some re rebuilding to do. But, but my stars, <clears throat> Trev, when you look at this Iowa offense and, and how ridiculous this is, uh, frankly, if you're, if you're Tennessee, what would – 
would 17 or 21 points maybe win this game for you? <laughs> I think three might win it. You know? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, I'll tell you, I tried to watch, go back and even watch Iowa and Michigan, and you talk about anemic offensively. I I knew that was pretty much the case. I mean, you know, when you're forced to basically – when the AD is forced to fire your kid as the offensive coordinator, yes. which has been the yes. case at Iowa, right? Um, that kind of tells you that situation. Reminded me of sort of Jeff Bowden uh, and and Bobby there right. at, at Florida Absolutely. State during the the latter stages of, of Bobby's tenure in Tallahassee. But boy, it is rough. You know, Michigan scored 26 points in that game, and we'll talk about this probably in relation to the. Rose Bowl matchup with Alabama here in a second, but 26 points. I think one of those touchdowns came on a punt return. <laughs> and then the Michigan defense forced a turnover right. of Iowa inside the Iowa 10 and was able to score off of that. So, you know, that's all it really took. It didn't really take much. It didn't take any offense from Michigan to win that game in the big 10 championship. So uh, Tennessee, I would think, would be in good shape in this game against Iowa. Although it's interesting, Iowa, the higher ranked of these two teams. And when I think about them, uh, it, it, it doesn't really translate to Iowa being the, the higher ranked team. But Iowa with, uh, I guess, 10 wins or so going into this, I guess that makes a little bit of sense there. Hey, let's talk about that Rose Bowl semifinal. Capping things for the SEC on the bowl season front. Alabama with an opportunity to extend that by one more game. If it can take care of the Michigan Wolverines out in Pasadena, that's a 5 p.m. Eastern kickoff on New Year's Day. Boy, matchups, again, interesting when we think about SEC teams, like we just talked about with Tennessee and Iowa, LSU and Wisconsin. seems like we always revert back to explosive play capability for the SEC team versus the Big Ten team. And that's kind of where I'm at with this matchup of Alabama and Michigan. Now, if Michigan can keep this thing into a grinder and sort of a low to mid twenties game, the Wolverines will have every opportunity to knock off the crimson tide. But if Alabama is able to sort of flex its muscle in the way of explosive plays on offense relative to Michigan's inability to produce much of that throughout this season, that's where I think you could see the separation really start to come into this game uh, your initial thoughts on this matchup, Brent? Well, I talked to uh, uh, a Michigan, uh, basically beat writer, media person the other day, and and the thing he said was, you know, I th- th- these teams are similar in that that, that they're both line of scrimmage teams, uh, and that will probably end up uh, being a lot of the game. But he said. He said the the one entity that Michigan really can't uh, depend on is covering Jalen Milrow. Uh, he and the other thing that's going here is Bama's been a lot more battle tested this year than Michigan has. I mean Michigan's had six games without without Harbaugh. Now look, that, that's not saying that JJ McCarthy's not good, Blake Gorham is not good, and that their line of scrimmage. Um, is very good too, but I but I would agree with you on that. The the potential uh, to be able to go over the top and also to Miro to ex, to 
um, to basically extend drives. Uh, I think that's going to be something at this point, Travis, that um, uh, that, that Mich- Michigan is at some point, uh, I think Bama is able to get enough, uh, particularly as the game goes on, uh, uh, to uh, uh, to get some explosive plays and to get the lead, and that would make a uh, a, a tremendous difference in being able to win this game. Yeah, it's just you know, doing some background on Michigan for BamaOnline.com and what I do there. You know, I watch games like Penn State. I watch games like Ohio State. I watch games like Iowa in the Big Ten Championship, and simulation of Jalen Milrow is just nowhere to be found. No. It's not. Drew Alar, uh, Kyle McCord, the quarterback for Iowa. These are redwoods in the pocket. Yeah. You know, they are guys yeah. that you can depend on mm-hmm. being in one specific area for the most part. And you're not going to be able to do that with Jalen Milrow. And I don't think the wild cards for Alabama offensively are limited just to Jalen Milrow and his legs. I think Kendrick Law is a guy. Yeah. that Alabama can do some different things with that could be problematic for a Michigan. Uh, Amari Nyblatt from that tight end position and the matchups you can get with him in the passing game. And as we know, Alabama, in terms of explosive downfield passing, that is something they've been very effective with. 17 pass plays a season of 40 yards or more. For Michigan, just four of those. So, I think for Michigan offensively, J.J. McCarthy has to be able to run the football some because I don't think Blake Corum, who is sort of a Ray Davis type, and I don't think he's as dynamic as Ray Davis of Kentucky, uh, he's got to get it done between the tackles. And I I just think that's going to be difficult for Michigan because Alabama is going to be keyed up on that with Corum. Donovan Edwards, another running back for Michigan, more dynamic. Than Corum, but even regardless, I think that McCarthy he needs to be as close to full health as he can be because down the stretch of the regular season he wasn't. He was injured in that win over Penn State back on November the 11th. It was a lower extremity injury, and from that point forward, we haven't seen much of his legs. They're going to have to be in play, even if it's to the extent of Peyton Thorne for Auburn. And what he was able to do in the second half of that Iron Bowl against Alabama, he's got to bring some of that because you're not just going to beat Alabama handing the ball to Blake Corum and or Donovan Edwards. And I don't look at this Michigan offense and see a Braylon Edwards or a, uh, you know, an explosive dynamic outside guy. Now the tight end Colton Loveland, Loveland, I believe it is. He's had a very good season. But Alabama's going to anticipate that. You know Michigan's going to get the ball to the tight end. And you just saw uh, Brock Bowers and Oscar Delp and the Georgia tight end. So, you know, there's some carryover, I think, too, in what you're getting ready for with this Michigan offense. So, yeah, I like Alabama in the game. I know Michigan's a point-and-a-half favorite. I think that's raised some eyebrows. But, uh, you know, Brent, I just – I think if Michigan, if the defense really plays up to what we've heard about this Michigan defense throughout the season, then Michigan has a chance in the fourth quarter to win the game. Again, in a kind of game that I talked about, in a kind of game where it doesn't get into the 30s, because that does not benefit Michigan, I think, if that's the case. Yeah, well, and let me ask you this, too, from from what you have seen, 
the Michigan beat writer, he made a good point. He said Auburn gave Alabama uh, some confusion with a lot of the motion in the eye candy uh, that they would do. But he said that's not really Michigan's That's not game. hardball football. It, They'll not, give you different formations, but they don't give you a lot of pre-snap motion, right. orbit motion, and that type of stuff like Hugh does. Right. So yes. unless they're going to incorporate some of that in the month between games, I think that sort of goes out the window too. Yeah. So no, it's a good point. Absolutely. I think Michigan just sort of prides itself on here it is. Let's see if you can stop yeah. it. Well, yes, as we've seen, especially against SEC competition in recent years, that hasn't been much of a problem. No. So no. we'll see. Jermaine Burton, by the way, the Alabama wide receiver, He's got a pretty good stat line, Brent, against Michigan. He played against the Wolverines as a member of the Georgia Bulldogs a couple of years ago in the Orange Bowl. Right. One catch, 57 yards, one touchdown. So well, yeah. And look, to me, if you can beat Michigan, if you can beat Georgia, you can beat Michigan, right? You, you should. You should be able to. Um, we'll see. Should be a fun one. Out in Pasadena. So there you go. There's your SEC Bowl preview here on Second Helping. Brent, anything else before we get out of here? Well, well, the question has to be asked as far as Pop's behavior around Christmas time. And and now, Trav, we know Monday. We know Monday is Christmas. Uh, does Pop's have that have that uh, wish list from Nana and and is going to spend all day shopping? <laughs> yeah, you know, Pops is he turned seventy six right. a couple days ago on the nineteenth. So we got him a nice uh we got him a nice barbecue dinner. He liked that. You know, he likes chicken and ribs, so we got him a nice barbecue dinner and uh we're buckling up for Christmas because you just never know with him. We've got <laughs> we've got some new significant others that are coming into the to the right. uh to the fray, I guess you yes. could call it. And uh, we'll see how he does. But, you know, he's hanging in there pretty good, Pops is. Hey, Brent, hope you and yours have an absolutely tremendous Christmas. And same goes for our listeners out there. We certainly appreciate you folks. Hope it's a safe and joyous time for you as well. Brent, look forward to uh, getting into more of this as we move through the bowl season. Well, it's going to be fascinating, to say the least. And, and uh uh, Trav, the other thing to keep in mind here, when, when we uh, uh, fast forward uh, basically a year from now, we're going to be having the first round of the playoffs basically this weekend. Uh, and and that, that's kind of mind-blowing a little bit, too, when you think about all that's going on. Crazy. Absolutely nuts. We talk about the portal. We talk about early signing day. We talk about the coaching carousel. Oof, just going to be impossible to try to keep up with on a minute-to-minute basis, but we'll do our best here on second helping. For Brent Beard, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again for joining us. And until next time, so long, everybody.